You are listening to the Lima Baptist Temple podcast, where you can hear the latest messages and other conversations as we strive to go serve and love in our communities. If you want to know more about us, visit us online at limabaptisttemple.org. If you've enjoyed our podcast, be sure to subscribe and check us out on YouTube. Today we continue our series on foundations. The first week we talked about God's amazing grace. And then this past Sunday, we talked about what is a real Christian. And today, this morning, is a mind-boggler. If you have some Excedrin migraine, you may want to take some or pass it out. It is called the Trinity. The Trinity. Uh, Have you ever just uh, stayed awake at night trying to figure out how God got here, even though God just is, God was, you know what I mean? And finally you get a headache and you just go to sleep, you know? You just kind of pass out. Uh, But that's what we're going to look at. I have been to uh, Israel twice. And without question, one of the most impressive architectural sites is what we call the Dome of the Rock. Now, in this picture is our group that we took in 2018. And you see that dome back there, right? But you can't really see its shape right now. In a moment, you will. Actually, uh, we're looking to do another trip this next March to Israel, if you're interested, but you'll hear more about that later. But this dome is the masterpiece of Islamic architecture. Uh, It was erected in 691 A.D. to enshrine the rock where traditionally it had been held that Abraham sacrificed Isaac. Now, to this day... It is probably the most distinctive and beautiful monument in all of Jerusalem. Every time you go, that's where you go to get your picture took. And so people, uh, that's what they do there. Uh, But if you look carefully at this next picture, you're going to see the geometry of a dome supported by an octagon-shaped building. So you see that. Now you can kind of see how all that's uh, laid out. Now, it is meant to symbolize the transition from earth to heaven. But the building also is an Islamic symbol stating that Islam is the supreme and only true religion and worships the only true God. Now, don't miss this. Enshrined in one of the Quranic inscriptions which decorate this building are these words. Listen to this. People of the book, do not transgress the bounds of your religion. Speak nothing but the truth about Allah, the Messiah. Jesus, the son of Mary, was no more than Allah's apostle. And his word, which he conveyed to Mary, listen to what else it says in the Quran. So believe in Allah and his apostles and do not say three. Getting it now? Trinity. Do not say three. Forbear and it shall be better for you. Allah is but one God. Allah forbid that he should have a son. And that is Quran 4, 171. So the inscription is a direct attack and a dogmatic denial of one of the most important doctrines taught in all of the Bible, the doctrine of the Trinity. Now think about this. Last week, I said, if you 
were to ask a real Christian to please stand up, what would that really look like? And Jesus asked us to do that today. Well, if you were to ask God, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit this question, will the real God please stand up? All three would have to stand in order to tell the truth. Now, as a foundation for this passage, let me share three truths about God, and I'll be saying something further a little later, but all which are necessary to know God, none of which can be denied if you are to have a relationship with God. Here's the first one. There is one God, eternal and indivisible. Secondly, there is one God, and it is this one God is three persons, each distinct from the other. Next, each person is fully God, co-equal, co-existent, and co-eternal. Now, admittedly, the doctrine of the Trinity may be the greatest distinctive characteristic of Christianity. Now, hear this. No other religion in the world today or ever has been in history is a Trinitarian religion. Judaism, Islam, Jehovah's Witness, and Unitarians all deny the doctrine of the Trinity even though the word Trinity is not found in the Bible. The truth of the Trinity is found throughout the Bible, though. So our key passage is this, 2 Corinthians 13, 14. It's really just a benediction and a prayer, and this is what it says. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Now, look at this. If you are going to know God, you must know God as Trinity, or you cannot know God at all. Do you believe that? Amen? You can't. I want us to see three things about the Trinity this morning. Number one is, the Trinity is a mystery we must conceive. Now, what I'm going to do today is, unfortunately, what too many pastors and preachers do too often. I'm going to try and explain something that, in a sense, is inexplicable and incomprehensible. The reason the Trinity is a mystery is because it is about God, and God is a mystery. The Apostle Paul once uttered these words in 1 Timothy 3.16. It says, God indeed, we confess, is the mystery of godliness. He was manifested in the flesh, vindicated by the Spirit, seen by the angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, taken up in glory. What Paul was saying was God cannot be reduced to human logic. Why? Well, we are finite. God is what? Infinite. The finite can never fully understand the infinite. Now, we should try to understand all of God that we can, but we will never understand all of God that there is. Because God himself said in Isaiah 58, 8 through 9, 
For my thoughts are what? Not your thoughts. Nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Now, there are two things, if you think about it, that the human mind cannot really understand or comprehend. One is infinity, and the other is eternity. Think about that. We just can't do it. With infinity, there is what? No beginning. With eternity, there is no ending. Yet we know that God is both infinite and eternal. He has neither beginning nor ending. Now that is simply incomprehensible because everything we know and see, what? Has a beginning and an end. If you think about it, however, God has even left us clues throughout this universe of his nature. For example, the universe is made up of what? Space, matter, in time. Space is what? Length, width, and height. Matter is energy, motion, and phenomena. Time is what? Past, present, and future. We even see it in ourselves. Man is what? Body, soul, and spirit. Likewise, God is, say it with me, Father, Son, and what? Holy Spirit. There is another reason why it's so hard to comprehend this doctrine of the Trinity. And that is because, in reality, there really is nothing that can compare to the Trinity. There is nothing, I mean nothing at all, which the Trinity can be compared to. Because God cannot be compared to anything because there is only one God. Amen? You can compare one football player with another. Well, you may not be able to compare a Buckeye with a Crimson Tide. That's another subject for another day. Okay, you can do that. But one singer you can compare with another one. One athlete with another one. But you cannot compare God to any other God because there is no other God except the one God. Amen? Isaiah. 48.10 says this, To whom then will you liken God? Or what likeness will you compare to Him? You see, the infinite simply will not fit into the finite. So I want you to understand, you can never really understand the Trinity, but as someone has wisely said, I want you to look at this, define the Trinity you'll lose your mind. But deny the Trinity, and you will lose your soul. So first, the Trinity is a mystery we must conceive. Secondly, the Trinity has a majesty we must believe. The word Trinity comes from the Latin term Trinitas, which literally means a group of three. Now, there's one thing That the Jews, the Muslims, the Unitarians, and the Jehovah Witness all agree on. And that is, there is one God. 
We hear this over and over again in Scripture. Let's look at this. It says, I am the Lord, and there is no other. There is no God besides me. Next verse. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. We know that an idol is nothing in the world and that there is no other God but me. Now, I want to state this as plainly as I can. Christians are not polytheists. What do I mean by that? What do I mean by that? That is, we do not believe in many gods, nor are we tritheists. We do not believe in three gods. We believe in, say it again, one God, for that is what the Bible teaches, okay? The Bible teaches a second truth. And that is even though there is only one God, we said this earlier, God is three persons. Now we see this from the very beginning of the Bible in Genesis 1-1. What? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The Hebrew word for God is the word Elohim, which literally means, translated, is God's. It is a plural noun. The suffix M, I am, in Hebrew, gives the singular noun a plural form. For example, you've heard of cherubim, but a cherub is one angel. Cherubim, cherubim is many angels. A seraph is one angel. Seraphim are several angels. E-L, L is God, singular. Elohim literally is God's plural. In this same verse, there is something that is very interesting. The verb created is singular and not plural. So you have a plural noun, Elohim, coupled with a single verb, created. And you see exactly the same thing in Genesis 1.26 where we read this. Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Now, God refers to himself here in the plural, but in the very next verse we read, So God, Elohim, created man in his own image. Our refers to God's plurality, and his refers to God's singularity. Now, just hang on with me, okay? The bedrock principle of Judaism is what is called the Shema. Okay, the Lord our God. It says in Deuteronomy 6, 4, the Lord is how many? One. Now, the word one there is a fascinating word in the Hebrew language. It means one in multiple or one as in a group. It is conveying the, exactly the idea of the Trinity. In fact, think about that word. The prefix tri, T-R-I, literally means three. Unity literally means how many? One. Tri-unity means three in one. You got that? Okay. Now understand that each person in the Godhead, this is what's so important. 
is distinct from the other person. Now, this is what some people get confused. The Father is not the Son, and the Son is not the Spirit. Neither the Son nor the Spirit is the Father. Even though they are three persons in the Godhead, and they are all distinct, there is only one God. In a sense, space is just like that. Space, again, is length, width, and height. If you want to know the total space in a room, you don't add those three things, do you? What do you do? You multiply them. That's right. That is the way it is with God. The triune God that we worship is not three gods, nor is he one God in three parts. He is one in essence, but three in personalities. That leads to a third truth. Not only is there one God, and not only is, the God, is this God three persons, but each person is God. Are you getting a headache now? When we talk about the Trinity, we usually speak of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, but the Bible sometimes interchanges that order. What do I mean by that? There are actually 12 places in the New Testament where the three names are grouped together. They're arranged in six different ways, and each of the three names occupies each of the three places twice. There is nothing sacred about the order in which they are placed. Now, that is very important. None of the persons in the Godhead are either inferior or superior to the other one. Now, we all know that the Lord is God. It says in 1 Kings 8, 60, All the peoples of the earth may know the Lord is God. Philippians 2, 11. Every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. In 2 Corinthians 3, 17, The Lord is the Spirit. So the question comes like this. Is the Lord God? Is the Lord Jesus? Is the Lord the Holy Spirit? And the answer is Y-E-S. Yes, absolutely. You see, nobody disputes that the one called Father in the New Testament is God. Yet, just as we saw the first week in Titus 2.13... It says we should be looking for the appearing, the appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Listen to Acts chapter 5, verses 3 through 4. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land for yourself? While it remained, was it not your own? And after it was sold... Was it not in your own control? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. Now these verses tell us that lying to God, lying to the Holy Spirit, 
are one and the same thing because both persons are God. So if you were to ask the question, would the real God please stand up, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit would have to stand? Do you understand that? If I were to ask you this question, who created this world? You might answer with the verse we quoted a moment ago. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Yet listen to Colossians chapter 1, verse 16. For by him, Jesus, all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth. All things were created through him and for him. But then in the book of Job, by his spirit, he adorned the heavens. So, here's the question. Who created humanity? Who created the heavens? Who created the stars and the sun and the moon? God did. That is, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So, the Trinity has a majesty we must believe. But lastly, the Trinity has a ministry we must receive. Now, I want you to understand that this study is so important. Because, see, the church is all about trying to bring unbelievers to come to know and believe in the one and only God. The primary responsibility of the church, the primary responsibility of Lima Baptist Temple, according to Jesus Christ, is to carry out what is known as the great commission and not the great omission, okay? Which is to go and make disciples of all nations and bring people to the knowledge of God. Now, why is the Trinity so important? Do not miss this. Without the Trinity, there would be no salvation and no one would ever come to know God. Did you get that? You see, in salvation, each member of the Godhead plays a vital part. And every part is necessary for salvation to be accomplished. In Ephesians chapter 1, we're told of the role of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. We're told of the role that they play in salvation of all sinners. For example, in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 4, it says this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ, just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love. That is, salvation is, was in the mind of God the Father before the world ever came into existence or sin ever came into the world. Then a little further down in verse 7, in Him, Jesus, we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. God the Son, don't miss this, God the Son left heaven 
obeying God the Father and shed His blood and died on the cross so we might have forgiveness of our sins. Amen? Ephesians 1.13 tells us that the Holy Spirit wrought. In other words, He created our salvation. Look at it. In Him you also trusted. After you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of what? Promise. 1 Peter 1, verse 2, tells us exactly the same thing. Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace be multiplied. First of all, we are told that God selects the sinners, for we are elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. Then we are told that Jesus does what? Jesus saves the sinners. For this is for obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Then we are told that the Holy Spirit sanctifies the sinner in sanctification of the Spirit. So what does all of this have to do with you and me? I'm glad you asked. Simply this, if you want to know God, you must know Him in the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. You cannot get to the Father unless you go through God, the Son of Jesus Christ. And you know that passage in John 14, 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And what? No one comes to the Father except through me. Furthermore, you cannot get to the Son unless you are brought by what? The Holy Spirit. Only when the Spirit of truth is come, He will guide you into all truth. So let me close right here. I still do not comprehend or fully understand the Trinity. But I do know this. God is a Father who loves us. God is a Son who died for us. And God is a Spirit who comforts us. The real God has stood up for us. But the real question is this, will we stand up for him? Amen? Let's pray together. Father, I pray this morning, Lord, as any time a message is delivered, Lord, it seems like on the Trinity, Lord, some people just get confused. And Lord, we know that this thing, Lord, it is, it's just incomprehensible. But Lord, I pray today that people who've tried to get to you through different avenues, and Lord, they'll understand that the only way to you, Lord, Jesus, is through the Father. Lord, I pray today that we would understand that, Lord, you're not here to confuse us. 
But God, you're here to pour out your spirit upon all men. And Lord, I pray today that if there's someone here today that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, that Lord, they don't know you as God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, that God, your Holy Spirit now will begin to convict them and they will call on your son Jesus. Lord, and they will go through you, God. Lord, I pray today that someone may give their life to you. Lord, for others in here who are just struggling with life as it is today, Lord, we all, all of us in here have issues. Lord, all of us walk with a limp. Lord, all of us here are just a mess because, God, that's just who we are. We're just flesh. We're just old sinners. And, God, I pray today that we would understand that this place today, this church is a hospital for sinners. And Lord, I pray that all of us today, before we leave this place, that if there's anything that's wrong in our life, if there's any unconfessed sin, that God, we would confess it and we would repent of it before we leave this place today. Lord, today, if people just need to come and the altar and just pray or come and pray with one of us pastors, God, for things going on in their life, that God, they would do that today. But Father, I do thank you that, Lord, you are a God who loves us. God, you are a son. Lord, who died for us. And Father, you are the Spirit who comforts us. And my prayer today is that we will stand up for you. Ask all this in your precious name for your sake. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Lima Baptist Temple Podcast. We hope you are encouraged today. And we would love to hear from you. If you have a prayer request, a topic you would like to discuss, or want to share what God is doing in your life, visit us online at limabaptisttemple.org forward slash central hub.